Daddy Lady, the book club of love. Hi, Vera Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara Ann. Um, what's up? This is a Twinterlude. Welcome to Twinterludes. Thank you. Well, we have one microphone. I want to acknowledge that because usually people can hear us coming in from uh, either side and today. Just one side. Yes. We want to talk about the Good Deed Corps benefit that we did. What was it last Sunday? Last Sunday, we put on some dresses, some pink dresses that I had made. And we went to uh, a home, a private residence. And we watched a movie called Pretty in Pink. And then afterwards, John Cryer and Annie Potts, who started in that movie, talked about it. So Vera made the prom dresses, which I have always, I've watched that movie probably a dozen times over the last couple decades and always hated the prom dress because it was this beautiful 50s or 60s cocktail dress that Molly Ringwald's character cuts into this pink bag. Yes, I know, Barbara. When I first heard that Pretty in Pink was going to be the next movie that we were doing, I immediately said, okay, well, our costumes, they have to be the prom dress. You know, the fucking horrible prom dress. <laughs> yeah, so I put up a post today, though, on my Instagram, Vera underscore Duffy. Please go follow her. She's public. About the prom dress. I'm on part three of making this prom dress, and I have come to appreciate the prom dress. I have done my research. I have done my thinking about it. And now the prom dress makes sense. Why? The prom dress makes sense because it is what Andy could make. It uh, has no zipper. It has two seams in it. It is not like 80s dresses at the time. 80s dresses at the time had huge shoulders, shoulder pads. This dress has zero shoulders. They had nipped in waists. This has no waist. (laughs) It is very much what Andy would make. For somebody who was showing up to prom dumped alone, surrounded by people very trendy people she did the exact opposite of what they were doing it made complete sense Marilyn Vance who was the costume designer she also did she did so many other movies including Pretty Woman that that's what a costume designer does they don't go well what's the prettiest thing I can do they go what is the most appropriate thing I can do that tells the story so the prom dress made sense to me um I did put darts in it (laughs) and a zipper I did the things that I thought Andy would be able to do in 2023 with a YouTube tutorial. (laughs) Well, the dresses were very cute. Thank you. And um, so what we do with these benefits, um, which they benefit Texas Turnout, which is a voting registration organization, right? Yeah, we learned more about why a good decor and Texas Turnout are so heavily focused on Texas. The short story is the population of Texas is growing exponentially, and the decisions that come out of Texas are going to affect the rest of the country. Right now, a lot of red. And also, it's was it like 96% Latino voting? Voters. There's a huge Latino population. There's also a young population there. And when you get young voters to vote from the beginning, they turn into lifelong voters. That's exactly what happened to me. They are not associated with a party. Nonpartisan, yes. But it just so happens that young people, before they get jaded, tend to vote in a way that doesn't hurt other people as much as older voters. So it's incredibly important. So our job usually is, I mean, for one of these, we did photos, Christmas photos as elves with Will Ferrell. We've talked about that. We handed out popcorn and stuff at the Weird Al event. Um, We did Los Super 7 and we did raffle tickets and we did raffle tickets for this as well. So we kind of circulate in these crowds and sell raffle tickets and talk to people. And we were selling raffle tickets when Barbara introduced me to somebody. I didn't introduce you, unfortunately, because I was so starstruck. But we were were standing there chatting and then Annie Potts walks up. Oh, I guess I did kind of because she talked to me first. And then I had to get I said she made them. She goes, 
those dresses are incredibly similar to the actual dresses. I was there. I saw them. And then I said, tell her, tell her. And then I was like, what would you change? And, and Vera and she were both like, it was made of silk, right? Yeah, she, she touched it and she goes, well, because I mean, I immediately was like, well, I know I didn't follow everything exactly because there were, I did take liberties, um, but conscious liberties because I really researched that dress and I, I made decisions that I will talk about on my Instagram. When we asked like, well, what's so, what's different? What do you think is so different? And she just kind of looks at it and she goes, the originals were satin. And I was like, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I had to use cotton. I'm so sorry. But I was so starstruck when I yeah. I turn I just turn around and there's Annie Potts who I just love so much. I love her from that movie. I love her from Ghostbusters. She's just so wonderful. And we met her husband who bought a ton of tickets and he was a sweetie too, James. But okay, my favorite part of the night. And now the the part that's ranks just equal to meeting her and chatting with her about the dresses was so John Cryer was there and he introduced the film and then he sat down in front of Annie and James and then you and I were sitting on a stoop nearby and they were both in my direct line of sight so I was twisted to look at the movie on the screen and watching him see this movie that he hadn't seen in decades just watching his reactions to himself as Ducky was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen and when like Blaine would come on screen or stuff for that matter the audience would hiss <laughs> stuff is uh the rich guy played by james spader who i he's the one i had a crush on i love james spader so much not in that movie i mean now i watch that and i'm like oh you poor sad fellow you oh you rich sad rich boy who gets drunk and doesn't his parents obviously don't love you and man i could get sucked into that no wait a second what am i saying what am i saying no if, if i Look, if I hadn't done this podcast and I, I could be sucked into sad stories, I would I would probably like stuff. But anyway, well, let's finish talking about the benefit and then we'll talk about the movie because there are some really interesting things. This is the second time I've watched it in a few weeks and I have thoughts. But anyway, watching John Cryer watch his own movie surrounded by people who love his movie <laughs> and are supportive of him and Ducky yes. was such crazy. It was a mind-blowing experience. It was very, very weird and surreal. And at the end of it, he got up and he read something to us. He had a copy of the original shooting script that had a very different ending. Do you want to talk about that? Basically, Andy and Ducky, they end up together and they dance at the end. And I was so like sucked into this event and seeing him and just uh, this movie that I've loved for so long that when he, he said part of the reason that they changed the ending of it, well, it tested horribly, <laughs> but also that Ducky wasn't supposed to know how to dance. And I was so wrapped up in this movie that I actually went, what? <laughs> <laughs> because there's that scene in the record store when he dances to um, Otis Redding and he's phenomenal. He's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> And yeah, just wa oh, watching that and then seeing him over there. Just, oh, my God. Yeah, everybody just clapping and going crazy for his performance when he's dancing around the, the record store. And he talked about that for a long time. He talked he talked about how it was choreographed and he had to learn it and how like the DP was like, oh, fuck. Now we have like we have to add on right. <laughs> so many hours or days of filming because there's so many different angles to this this dance. I'm not going to blow the ending either. That's why you come to these events. But uh, let me just say the last scene involved a circle of high school people hushed surrounding one couple. And that 
Unfortunately, if you went to any dance in the 80s, at one point in the night, there actually would be like a couple <laughs> surrounded by high school people. But you, they were usually clapping. I think this uh, this was a very, very dramatic scene that we all laughed at really hard. Do you want to talk about the actual movie? I mean, unless you want to. I, I just want to say like, for me, the, the experience for me was I love Molly Ringwald so much. And in junior high school, she went to our junior high school. And in eighth grade, you know, you check out your books. like, And I checked out my copy of The Little Prince and there like two lines above my name was Molly Ringwald's name and I was like and I of course I kept that book but I've just I've just loved that movie and like all her movies and you know Vera growing up in Hollywood California it and then like seeing all this garbage with the strike and you get really jaded but so I personally love when I can nerd out it's like it's so um cathartic and like I don't know. It just makes me feel like a little kid again. I love the movie too, Barb. I'm just saying there there are certain parts that played fantastically then and play a little differently now. And I'm just going to mention one of them, okay? Oh, first of all, I do want to say John Cryer himself was like, watching this now, some of my behavior as Ducky, a little problematic. The stalking, for example. And I was so happy to hear that because I was like, yeah, that's, you know, not great. The only other thing that gave me pause was when Blaine, and this is also, I've got to remember this, these people were supposed to be 17, 18 years old. They're kids, right? Even though I think James Spader was, I think he was 42 when he did the movie. But um, is Blaine going, I love you, I've always loved you, and me just thinking, you're gaslighting her because you did not stand up for her when you could have. That's what I thought when I saw it the first time two weeks ago, or whatever it was a month ago when I was researching the dresses. When I watched it this time, I did pick up on the fact that his parents would have disowned him. So I think I'm going to go back to my original feeling of the movie, which is I just adored every single part of it. How's that? Is that good? Is that okay? All right. I just like to sum it up with I adore everything that Molly Ringwald does. That's safe, right? That's a safe thing. And I still think James, James Spader's cute. Just to sum up, John Cryer shaved his head and he's still absolutely adorable. Okay, I'm done. And, and my husband Blaine came and they, they are friends on Twitter. And Blaine's question for the Q&A was, my name is Blaine and what the fuck? And he got a just big apology for that because he's not a major appliance. Okay. Wait, and, and John Cryer said that he um, improvised that line. There's a lot of improvisation. That was what, <laughs> something I loved hearing that James Spader improvised a lot of his lines, including. I don't care about money. Do you think I would treat my parents' house like this if I did? <laughs> so that was good. Oh, Vera, we're going to fucking Danny Elfman's. The last shot of a film before they wrap. Do you know what it's called? Right. Oh, the martini shot. Yeah. <laughs> the last time the twins ever go see Danny Elfman perform. <laughs> Let's hope to God it's not the martini shot. Is that all we're going to say about <laughs> no. it? No, I am pissed. I'm fucking pissed. We talked about this. We talked about this. I, I brought this up recently to Vera. I mean, the bigger picture is like, I was talking to her about dating and how like, when you date a man now, the, the shit that might pop up in their history is relevant. But I can't see it totally on an emotional level. And I used the example of when I was working on DuckTales, one of the actors we brought in who played this very iconic character, we like featured him and um, it was a big deal. And this was like the start of maybe a spinoff, which meant work for a crew of 100 people. It was a huge deal. And right around this time, his his ex-wife took him to court and all this shit came up about his abusive history and maybe current. Anyway, he needed to be written out. This man and his shitty ass behavior affected hundreds of people. And it, so it's like, it's not an emotional thing anymore. If you if you misbehave, 
it's it's tiresome. And so I think I was kind of thinking about that a bit. And then this news came up with Danny Elfman. Do you, do you want to talk about it? Great. What? <laughs> yeah, do you want to say the things? Um, you can look it up. But he had a young lady who was a musical prodigy. And they were working together. They had some type of working relationship. At one point, he sent her a photo of a martini glass filled with what looked like um, sp- spunk. He said it was like Cetaphil or something like that. So, you know, look, this happened when he was in his sixties. A shot glass, maybe. Okay, I don't. I don't think that it was really filled with cum. I don't. But he sent it to her, and it was the the caption was something like, "Here's a pic to pique your apostrophe oh, imagination." So that alone, not good. That alone, though, is like how you know that it was fucking from him. You know what I mean? And also that it wasn't wanted, you know? Because no woman looks at a, a glass full of, you know, supposed cum and goes, yeah. Ever? Or or have they? I'm sorry. You're looking off into the... into the, into the No, Vera. Because, look, you're right, Vera. A shot glass. It would start with a... Or a teaspoon, actually. Um, a, a load of jizz is a teaspoon or two. <laughs> so we would have to, like one you know put it in the fridge wrap it up bring it on out too <laughs> would you be able to see like the layers yeah. like it was <laughs> does it start to go off i mean is that what you okay <laughs> no seriously i want to know it starts in tupperware i think you can't <laughs> no saran wrap is going to keep that shit fresh in a martini glass <laughs> is this is this what you're angry about it's false advertising <laughs> you're like if i'm not <laughs> Look, if I if I'm not on this after an encounter, what? my my mouth is full. <laughs> Fira, did you just yeah, I did, I did, did you just? <laughs> oh my god, we're laughing because we're crying because we're grieving because we we love Oingo Boingo so much. Yeah, I didn't you have a crush on him at some point? Destroyed. <laughs> destroyed and you know what we did see him not too long ago i think we talked about it on the podcast how much it meant to us and there he was half naked and we're like oh that's that's very positive <laughs> like we admire that <laughs> body positivity <laughs> yes of course and uh you know i mean he's still got flaming red hair and he's got the pointy eyebrows and we're like it's so nice that this guy who looks like a pervy predator is actually a real sweetheart on the inside, you know? But turns out, Vera, one more time, I just, I like to think about that Onion headline, um, uh-oh, looks like the oh, the Harvey Weinstein-produced biopic on Bill Cosby starring Louis C.K. is in trouble. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I'm pissed. I'm fucking pissed. We're about to drive an hour to go see this man. You know what I'm excited about? I'm excited about hearing his Pee Wee songs because I have not cried yet and I can't wait to ball. I can't wait to just let it all out and then drive home. And so that's what this is for, Barbara. We're saying goodbye to two people we really liked. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah. But I will say, I goodbye paul rubens you're such a sweetheart we love you yeah we love you paul rubens bye bye